Hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. I am so happy to be back chatting to lots of lovely plant-obsessed people about their stories. From flower farmers and allotmenters to some of the greatest garden gurus, listen to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants, from our biggest achievements to our fabulous garden fails. This season is sponsored by Mole Valley Farmers, who are all about keeping your garden tidy this autumn. Visit them in stores across the UK or at moleonline.com between now and the 26th of October to make the most of their fantastic offers. You'll find discounts on items like wheelbarrows, lawn seed and bulbs ready to plant for spring colour. So head over to check out these items and many more. In this episode, I chatted to the absolute knowledge powerhouse Georgie Newbury of Common Farm Flowers, and it was a fascinating chat, which I certainly took a lot away from. For anyone who's an aspiring flower farmer or market gardener, I think you'll really enjoy this one as Georgie takes her through her journey, which now sees her running courses and workshops for people every year to help them succeed in their lifestyle business. I've been a big fan for a long time, so this was a very exciting chat for me. Enjoy! Good morning, Georgie Newbury. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, So I know that you are a very, very busy lady, so we're going to try and rattle through these questions. But I just want to say it is such an honour to have you on the podcast because you're just one of those super inspirational people that has so much to give. Um, So I'm very excited to chat to you. Not in oh. real life, but in real life as much as it gets these You're days. Very nice. That's very nice. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I was yesterday, I was up at Bluebell Cottage Gardens in Cheshire doing the same, fangirling Benjamin Ranyard of Hingledy Garden. So we all go round and round. Absolutely. It's like people say you shouldn't meet your idols, but disagree. <laughs> um, so can we just go back right to the beginning of your gardening story? What was it that got you into gardening in the first place? Uh, well, when I was very little, um, my mother is still a great gardener, um, uh, but she used to pay me to weed by the yard, and uh, I really liked weeding by the yard. I learned, in retrospect, um, A, that I can identify a groundsel seedling at 150 metres, but uh, also I learned that there was a an economic recompense for uh, getting out and getting dirty, so that suited me down to the ground. And then... Um, and it never occurred to me that gardening was a thing I needed that I didn't know how to do. I think because I grew up in a garden with a gardener, while she didn't ever formally say this is how you sow a seed and this is how you prick it, I, she, I never got taught how to do it. When I found myself, as often happens, you know, with small children, a husband, and a garden, instead of thinking, oh, how do I do this? I better learn. I just picked up a border fork and started doing it. And I think possibly, to be fair, if I was stuck, I'd probably rang mum. But um, I don't remember especially being stuck. But also at the beginning of my gardening journey, if you like, um, you know, the internet was beginning to be very useful. And I quickly, about the time I started Common Farm Flowers, I mean, I quickly learned that I could do it. <laughs> so, uh, but I also realised I needed a business to run from home as I had tiny children and um, childcare was expensive and I needed to, you know, I needed something that I could do both. 
to keep everything together. And so I quickly learned that I grew too many sweet peas. And I think <laughs> if you grow sweet peas, you can you can either grow too many or you don't grow any at all. There sort of yeah. doesn't seem to be a nice nuanced middle ground with sweet pea growing. Um, so I was selling sweet peas out the front in a barrow uh, to the neighbours. And then a neighbor, another neighbour sent me a bunch of flowers in the post. And it was just a total light bulb moment. I have been struggling to make a living as a writer. And, I, you know, God willing, one day I will make a li- That's, you know, that's my dream is to be a permanent, to make a living writing. <laughs> uh, and so I was struggling to make a living writing. And a neighbour sent me a bunch of flowers in the post. And it was a complete light bulb moment. I thought, oh, well, I could do this. I could grow bouquets. And so Common Farm Flowers literally the next day was born. And that's what we've been doing ever since. That was 12 years ago. And so I have, it has been a steep learning curve, both running businesses. I've been hanging off a cliff most of the time, um, but I think I've finally understood the process. And um, and I'm, so, you know, obviously one learns gardening. You never stop learning with the gardening. You, um, I think I've learned to strategize the business strategy thing has been then posted over to the to the gardening um but yeah you never stop learning do you so yeah so that was my journey I just dived in at the deep end and learned as I went along which is so brilliant because I feel like everyone goes oh but I don't know how but I don't know how and it's that kind of when people say it to me all of the time I've only been gardening for four years and they go oh but I don't know how to grow all that stuff and I'm like well I didn't either it's yeah. just kind of like a, once you start doing it, being practical, you kind of learn along the way and then something fails and you go, oh, I overwatered yeah. it, I underwatered it, didn't give it enough of this, that or the other. Yeah, yeah. And I think exactly. And you learn very quickly. And I think also the the um, there are so many amazing resources. You know, I tell my students all the time, if you're in your greenhouse and you don't know why your scabious isn't germinating, actually a really useful and quick resource is the RHS website. Ping on and ask for germination conditions necessary to germinate your scabious. And it might say, oh, a little bottom heat would be helpful. So you then give it a little bit of bottom heat and bingo, there are your scabious seedlings. You're like, oh yeah, I learned that. And you can't keep all of the information in your head all the time. Nobody... I would argue, is a world-class, detailed, how-to, every single step of the way, gardener for everything. (laughs) All gardeners are interested in growing something new or something different. You know, I'm about to plant a vegetable garden for the first time in about 12 years. Amazing. (laughs) I can't remember how you grow vegetables. I knew, I used to grow lots of vegetables, but uh, so I'm like, oh, okay, this is a new way of doing things. What do I do? When do I... (laughs) What do I sow now at this time of year? Oh, broad beans. And I only know that because I was talking to another gardener who said, I'm planting some Aquaduce Claudia. And I thought, oh, yes, I remember that lovely name. Okay. <laughs> website, order some Aquaduce Claudia. And while I'm there, should we have some winter hardy peas, some garlic? <laughs> and it's all right. And it'll go today, I hope. <laughs> And I think that that's the point of it as well, isn't it? Like, it would be boring if we just knew everything and could go through day to day without having to think. But it's so exciting to discover yeah. something new and learn oh, something completely. new. And... Oh, completely. And I think, you know, we've been here for 18 years um, and this little patch of dry Somerset clay. And I finally, I think possibly because I had very small children and I was building a business that took a lot of time and effort. 
So I didn't really think about the garden here. Mm. And and so I suddenly woke up and I thought, I really, it's time to get the bulbs in 18 years down the line. So <laughs> the thing that I was planting in my 15 minutes before we started speaking was a swathe of white crocus, Jeanne d'Arc, to go along the to go along the roadside. So they would actually belong to the house, they belong to the lane. <laughs> Um, you know, all good houses need, if there's a grass verge, need the verge to be planted up with crocuses for spring forage for your bees, but also, oh, a swathe of white crocuses. So much joy to be had from those. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next February, I hope. So that's really exciting. So have you got kind of a plan of what you're going to grow in the vegetable garden this year? Um, no, I'm, I, you know, the awful thing is I'm very, very uh, strategic yeah. about what I grow in the, oh, tea cake. Um, <laughs> I'm very strategic about what I grow in the cut flower field. And so I'm not very strategic. I'm a bit knee jerk about the vegetable garden, but I'm just conscious, you know, I'm all about the money, I'm afraid. <laughs> and I'm conscious that vegetables in shops are no longer the cheap trick that they were no. and I'm always paying a million pounds a week on my mortgage so I better make the groundwork harder for my for my literal eating living <laughs> so um that's why we're planting vegetables because you know there is suddenly everything is expensive to buy and uh so I'm going to plant vegetables <laughs> well it makes a lot of sense I think a lot more people should be adopting that way of living <laughs> Oh, I've been brought an apple from the oh, apple tree. How my schooling friend as um, <laughs> the apples are been have been incredible this year, and because uh, they're so sweet because of the heat, mm-hmm. so they're little. They're not huge, wet, soggy apples uh, from the rain. They're tiny and really juicy. I think the fruit harvest this year has been fantastic. Oh yeah, so, the apples I've eaten fresh off the tree this year have been incredible. But t- tonight is actually the night reserved for the apple, pear and tomato chutneys and preserves. We're, that's that's the dedicated evening for this oh one to be done. Is it going to be long enough? No, probably not. But I've got <laughs> my sister ready and prepped and I've got yeah, a bunch of pans in my car. <laughs> I'm just, I just think mm, that probably takes a day. But anyway, that's probably because I'm a bit slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to leave some of the stuff with her so that tomorrow that's she good. can continue. <laughs> Luckily, tomorrow's her day off. That's fine. You just chop it all up tonight and say you finish off tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if we get a couple of things done, then that would be a big win for me. Yeah. Um. So tell us about the the flower land that you grow on. What kind of size so, is it? It's a seven acre plot altogether, but we don't grow flowers on all of it. Mm-hmm. It's about half wild because the ethos of our business is is that if you look after the invertebrates, the rest of the food chain will look after itself. We being part of that food chain. So um, we've left half of it wild. We have wildflower meadows. We've got patches of orchard, half a mile of hedging we planted when we came here on seven acres. And a lot of trees, a sort of stretch, a band of of trees, tea cake, band of trees going around the edge of the property, which we call the Lugfall. Um, And then within that, we have four cut flower patches. Um, and we aim to grow historically we've aimed to grow about a quarter of a million stems a year and I strategically plan to grow literally by the stem Um, we don't sell it's very important caveat that we do not sell quarter of a million stems a year 
we do, however, sell possibly uh, 150,000-ish stems. Mm-hmm. So some of it, increasingly, we have students here, um, and it, so it needs to look nice. <laughs> um, and uh, But I'm very careful that I grow in... I'm growing bouquets. I'm not growing... Uh, you know, acres of sunflowers to sell in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the my market is increasingly wholesale, but my market also is looking to make mostly, if I'm selling wholesale, I'm selling to um, sort of luxury wedding flower type people. And so they're looking for a very kind of smart, herbaceous border sort of look, a bit mm-hmm. of wild. So even if I'm growing bouquets for myself or I'm growing a look for those sorts of florists, it's a similar sort of look. It's a sort of kind of smart country house herbaceous border look, which is very nice for me because it means I can grow smart country house herbaceous <laughs> type plants, which is where my fancy lies. Uh, so the four patches are divided up. I've got one patch, which is really annuals, biennials, or anything that just goes in does its job and is out so the tulips also go in there mm-hmm. um I have another patch which is for my dahlias which are the true loves of my heart and another patch where I have two tunnels one small one large and my spring bulbs and some late summer perennials that's my little forest garden kind of setup um, and then up the top I have a bigger patch with all my roses and my shrubs and perennials in it so it's very badly laid out, and Fabrizio and I were walking up and down this morning, fantasizing about a layout. My dream layout is the is the trials beds at Wisley. Mm-hmm. It has a sort of shed, and it's hardly a shed, of course, it's Wisley, but nevertheless, <laughs> it's a building in the middle, and then all the beds laid out around it in one big patch. That is what I would like here. So uh, I've been saying this for years. Hold your breath, everybody. We may be in for a big redesign. And we'll have one patch because if you were a flower farmer, every time you go in and out of a different patch, pulling a trolley with eight buckets, you um, walk about six miles a day further than you need to. You have to have six times the infrastructure. It's a total waste of space. But that's because the business grew really organically. Um, So each patch was created as we grew the business. Um, but we're now in a place where we're not going to expand the growing area. We mm-hmm. need to rationalise the growing area. So, But it does look very nice because of all the trees and the orchard patches and the wildflower meadows. It's very pretty. Yeah, um, it's, it's not fiddly. I mean, honestly, I've been up at Mum's. Mum has, a, uh, I think, a third of an acre. And it's it's got to be more than that. I'd say it's half an acre. And it is the fiddliest gardening I've ever seen <laughs> It would take me, I mean, I know it is really endless fiddle, 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 fiddle. Whereas here, it takes very little gardening, really, in the great scheme of things. Um, it probably takes, for a seven-acre patch, I think it takes about maximum 40 hours a week, and that's in the summer when it's busy. Oh, wow. That is impressive. Which is which is really very little, given the size of the patch. Mm. Whereas mum's garden, less than half an acre takes i'd say probably four hours a day plus mum all day on mondays with her friend carol (laughs) (laughs) 
to rationalize the the activity <laughs> um so yeah we're we're quite careful about how much time everything takes um but it does look nice it looks like a sort of french uh well it doesn't look like a french potager but it, it has that sort of feel of long beds with grass paths between which are easy to pull your trolley along mm -hmm. and there's a constant roll of uh plants going in and coming out mm -hmm. um it looks and so how do you plan all this? Are you kind of like a pencil and paper, an Excel sheet? Uh, I know that you're all about the strategy, so I'm intrigued. Oh, wow. I have two of those on the go at the time. That's a year planner for listeners, sorry. It's not about the year planner. I, um, I have a year planner because I also have a family life and it's important that we go on holiday and... Uh, you know, and my elderly parents need visiting and uh, all of that stuff. So I do a year planner for, and you can see a year planner, a calendar, a diary mm -hmm. is uh, useless because you can't see the rhythm. And with gardening, as you know, um, it's important. It's a, it's a, it's an endurance sport. So you mustn't overdo it. You must keep, you know, plodding on. So with a year planner, you can strategize your year completely to make sure that all the flower farming jobs get done, but also that you then can take a week off and go to Scotland in August and uh, spend Christmas with your family and, you know, have time. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's, I, I, I'm very, uh, you know, this is a lifestyle business and I'm, I'm lucky, but I'm also... One of the reasons I'm lucky is because I'm strategized so carefully to make sure that we have the family time and the garden gets done. It is not gardening. And I'm always telling my students when they come here, this is very different from gardening. Gardening for pleasure is a thing that, where you can think, oh, it's Saturday morning. Oh, I might sow a tray of lettuce because <laughs> I feel like it. Um, whereas... I will sow, I sow five times a year. Each time I sow 20 tra trays of seeds um, and I sow 30 seeds in each tray and hopefully I will get 30 plants because they're new seeds, so they're fresh. And I should get 95% germination and I then need 30 running metres of metre-wide bed to put those seedlings into when they are big enough. So if I so if I sow all those seeds on one day and then I prick them all out on one day and I can strategize that, I can put that in a calendar and make mm -hmm. sure it happens. And then I plant it all out on one day, then I can then I know that I can also go and have lunch with my friends. <laughs> Otherwise, you are constantly uh pulled. There's a too much tension between the things you like, you know, the the life that doesn't involve the garden and the garden. And I know there are lots of small flower farmers. I'm sorry, I'm going to let this whingy dog out. That's okay. <laughs> you go. You can hear my husband in the kitchen, and you never know there might be a fried egg involved. <laughs> um, so no, so my my if I strategize to do big chunks of work at a time, that's how I make sure that the garden doesn't take too much work. Um, it's it you get then you get time off <laughs> and that was the whole reason you started the business in the first place was so that you could be there at home with your children so yeah it, it makes sense that that's kind of continued as a real big focus it's a really really big deal for me if I wanted to earn a you know I live in rural Somerset and so there are plenty of uh employment opportunities nearby but um 
they would have to work within school hours mm -hmm. and they would have to, uh, you know, that one of the reasons people go self-employed is so that they can be in charge of their own time. They may not earn as much as they might earn elsewhere, but equally their, their, their working life possibly doesn't cost them as much either, both financially and mentally, physically, all of that. So I don't have to get in a car and drive half an hour to Shaftesbury or Salisbury or wherever where I might find a job. I don't have to wear a business suit and I don't mm -hmm. have to um, spend money on petrol or coffee when I get there or lunch or all of the. Th and then I can definitely be back here at whatever, you know, the kids come back at all sorts of different times, depending on which day of the week, mm -hmm. and they're both at different schools. And so, you know, you've got to be able to juggle all of that. So instead of that, I fall out of bed at six o'clock in the morning. I can be in here where you'll see me now in front of my shelfie of vases at 6.03. <laughs> I then get the children up at seven. And they then get dro dropped at the school bus around eight o'clock. I'm back here by 8.15. I can then get on and I can work for as long as I like. And in the summer, I think my busiest time is between, I've worked it out because, you know, I like to strategize. Um, my busiest couple of months are kind of the end of February to literally the 15th of June, mm -hmm. our 70 hour week weeks, but not the rest of the year. And I make sure that I get time off in the school holidays because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. And do your kids get involved with the gardening at all? Are they are they keen on it or do they go? It's not no. Me. no, no, but um, I can tell you now, mm, this happens. Any young people listening? And <laughs> what happens when you are the child of a gardener is you absorb stuff. And mm -hmm. I remember taking, when they were little, I used to take, there's a great rare plant fair. Uh, for which, because obviously I'm a sucker for a rare plant fair, but there's a great one at Yarlington House every year, not, not far from here. And I remember taking them to the great to this plant fair, and I gave them five pounds each. And my daughter, aged about five, came back with a bright red geranium tray of little geranium cuttings, and I thought that's very nice, brilliant. We'll put those in the pots around the back door. That's lovely, brilliant. My son came back with a rare fern with a round leaf on a very structural stem. It was beautiful. And I said, oh, really, that's very fine. Where'd you get that from? And he said, well, I talked to the man and we agreed this would be a good thing uh, because it doesn't flower, so you won't cut it. <laughs> and I thought, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because you care, don't you? You care. And then another time we went on holiday to uh, St. David's in Wales. Mm -hmm. And a lovely place I recommend very highly. I've uh, actually been there. Very tiny. It's tiny. <laughs> but at the top of the high street is a very small plant nursery. Uh, tiny little plant nursery. Um, and it's full of treasure. It's a really fantastic place to go. And I, I have been there <laughs> and spent some money. Anyway. The children, because it's such a lovely little town, the children were allowed to kind of go off with their pocket money and learn how to walk up and down a town on their own mm -hmm. uh, in St. David's. And one day my son came back uh, with some succulents. And I said, oh, where did you get those from? And he said, well, there's a plant nursery up at the top of the road. And I was talking to <laughs> you're like, okay, when you're on your own and I'm not there and you're doing what you'd like to do, you could do anything there is to do in this town. You're choosing to go to a plant nursery and buy succulents. Gotcha. 
And then my daughter, <laughs> my daughter, one day when she was very little, she wanted to go to the playground to go on the swings. And I said, we can't go to the playground unless we've, I need to sow these seeds. But if you help me sow the seeds, we can then, when we finish, we can go to the playground because we'll have time. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, I'll help you sow the seeds. And I remember I stood her on a chair in here and there was a big dolly tub of compost and she put hands in the compost and it was about February. And she looked up at me with her face like this, wide open, amazed. And she said, mummy, the compost is warm. <laughs> I thought, gotcha, gotcha. That magic moment. Yeah, so they have nothing to do with it. They will do as little as possible. But the other day, uh, my son is now 16 and uh, so and owed me money. So, yeah, he spent a morning taking putting a ton of compost into the big polytunnel for me. <laughs> I mean, also invaluable skills to have learned by osmosis growing Absolutely. up. Absolutely. I know that they know how to do it. I know mm. they know how to do it because they see you doing it all the time. And I think with, you know, with children, with anybody you're around who you can have an effect on, tell them, don't Definitely. just do it, tell them what you're doing. So mm-hmm. I talk about running small businesses and why it's worth being self-employed mm-hmm. and, you know, explain that we haven't got large amounts of spare cash in our pockets, but we are warm, comfortable and um, know, you know, in an, if, if, if the apocalypse happened, we would know how to feed ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, an undervalued uh, skill these days. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I mean, with the way things are going at the moment, it could could be very imminent. I know. I mean, I tease my husband. For, I I tease him and I call him the prepper. But you, know, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um. So you've talked about kind of what a typical day looks like, but I know that you're really structured in how you plan your week to make sure that you are as efficient as possible. Can you talk to us a bit about how you plan your week? Uh, well, my week, it, I think a lot of people running small businesses uh, know it's when you work for somebody else, your week is structured for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you work for yourself, I think um, it, it's sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> so what do I do? That's me at the moment because I'm quite <laughs> newly self-employed. <laughs> so, um, and actually, I had some advice years ago. I had a period of depression and I had this fantastic therapist and uh and i had recently gone self employed and at the time i didn't i didn't uh i didn't relate to this thing but actually now looking back i think i wonder whether one of the things was that i just didn't know what to do with myself i couldn't i couldn't structure my time and so she said make yourself a timetable and at the time it was literally including things like get up get dressed have breakfast uh, but make yourself a timetable and then you can tick things off and you've achieved even getting up, get dressed, have breakfast and so on. And uh, and I and I have ever since that, that time of therapy was spectacularly useful. And I use it as skills that I was given by this wonderful therapist every day of my life. And one of them was, OK, you can't just make bouquets every day because if you make bouquets every day, you don't do anything else. So I do the things I don't like to do first. So I do um, my admin on Mondays. Mondays mm-hmm. always admin. And if I don't do it, it bothers me all week. I'm chased by the things that I haven't done. Tuesdays, often I teach. So I do lots and lots of workshops. Um, and I either teach here at the farm or online. They do look at the do look at the website, dear listener. Well, I've um, got a big section coming up on this because of oh, all the questions. <laughs> 
Um, I uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays I cut flower, I harvest and do floristry. I've now strategized my year in such a way that my floristry year finishes on the 30th of September, which is why I'm here talking to you. But secretly, of course, I have flowers to do. <laughs> so, yeah, that cutting there. But not so many. But during my season, Wednesday and Thursday are cutting and uh, harvesting and floristry days. Often a Friday is a floristry day if there are weddings. Um but I tend not to do official flower farming stuff at the weekends. I do often garden, mm-hmm. but that's because it's my pleasure. And my family's a layabouts. And so they're all asleep and I'm bored. So I get up and go outside in my pajamas and get on. Um, Why not? Uh, yeah, because it may as well be outside. And so, yeah, so I structure my my days really carefully. I do, pos- I probably garden uh 10 hours a week mm-hmm. but i'm not so now this time of year i'm conscious of all jobs that need doing because we're trying to clear down plant and be ready for next season and the sooner we get that done a the more time we get off at christmas but the but the less quagmire we make once the rains october is a famously dry month do you know <laughs> no i didn't actually it's been very wet this october <laughs> <laughs> well it's um it's a good month to get stuff in to get all the muck you know tr- trundling around the garden with barrel loads of mulch it's a good month to do so i've just finished used up four tons of mulch from dalefoot that's just gone on the ground and i've just an, ordered another four tons and we'll try and get them on on the beds before mid-november mm-hmm. and that's that job done um but yeah so I've managed my week very carefully I can't work in the evenings it's it's really worth knowing your character mm-hmm. once I've once I've finished if I, you know six seven o'clock I'm done I can't do any more after that so there's no good my thinking to myself oh but I could do the Garden Media Guild Award new talent judging this evening because I won't I yeah. definitely won't be tired so I must do it during the day that's um, so interesting you say that as well because I find the day I can't do any admin work I can only do the admin work once it's dark outside because I feel like I'm missing the opportunity to be outside and doing something more like physically productive yeah. whereas in the yeah. evening I feel like it's less of a I'm not missing out on so much but then I don't have kids so it's a bit different yeah but also I I know from experience that I, if I allow myself to spend all day outside uh, thinking I will do the admin in the evening <laughs> I don't I just don't do it so uh, but plus also it kind of gets in my head and it needs you know so this is more like so this and obviously not the week doesn't always go to plan this week I was at my mum's on Monday yesterday I was on the M6 most of the day and stopping off at Bluebell to have a chat with other people uh, so today this morning I had a load of admin to do which I did get up early and make sure that I'd done it before I spoke to you because otherwise it wouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And it's for, you know, bills to pay. I, yeah. All that stuff. It's just got to get it done. done. <laughs> Do you find that there's a day of the week that you most look forward to? Like, is it the workshops, the cutting flowers, the weekend? I like it all. I mean, <laughs> I like it all because I don't do any of it all of the time. Yeah, I, I completely relate with that. Yeah, I think... Um, I like, you know, it's like, oh, good, it's flower day. How nice. I'm looking forward to that. But if I, you know, the I used to do 
more flower days mm-hmm. and less bespoke work. And so I did used to find, I used to trundle around the garden pulling my trolley more. Mm-hmm. And so it became more of a chore. Whereas yeah. now I'm quite looking forward to the fact that I've got to do some flowers this afternoon. I oh, know I'm very much looking forward to the fact. Um, I like the I like the rhythm of it. I like I mean you know we're very lucky if we can garden for a living. Mm. Um, then no two days are the same. But also I like the jungle warfare of it. I, you know I like being able to go and do a big job and achieve get hot and sweaty and you know achieve a great deal and then stand back and go right that's that job done for another year. Yeah. So it, it's all. I do workshops in the evenings quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll do five o'clock online workshops, partly because people can do them at five mm. o'clock. You know, other people are working or whatever. Um, but partly because it gives me something that I can... So if I'm outside working outside, I then have something intellectual to think about while I'm working outside so that I'm prepared for the workshop. Mm-hmm. I quite like that. Yeah, but however you do it, you know, my top tips to anybody, if you're working for yourself, is strategize your week to make sure that you get it all done. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, I love social media, so it's easy for me to make time to do my social media. But uh, a lot of people don't. But I would say that for a small business, you'd be absolutely crazy not to use social media because it's free advertising. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would say that, you know, if, if you are a small business of any kind without social media, I think you'd be crazy not to use social media. It's it's free. <laughs> but plus, I think what it does for people, really small businesses, it's, I mean, it's really, really brilliant for micro businesses uh, because we can prove all the time that we are tiny businesses. Mm-hmm. And whereas I think larger businesses spend a lot of time trying to make themselves look more human on social media, uh, not always terribly successfully. Um, uh, we, I have a I have a competitor, shall we call them, and um, they are a large business now. They were quite small, but they really they had a clear a business plan, and they nailed it. So they're doing really really well. But they will still advertise themselves as a person cycling around with flowers in boxes on the back of their bicycle, which they're delivering. So that's the front end of the paper. You'll get a picture of this person kind of bumbling along in front of pretty houses, roses up the walls. Yes. Nicely styled. I think I actually know who you're talking about. Let's Let's not be too specific, but equally at the back end of the paper in the business pages, this person will be very pleased in understandably proudly declaring that they're turning over two or three million a year and you're like well if you're turning over three million a year you're definitely not delivering on the back of a bicycle whereas I think for social media we small businesses really are delivering on the back of a bicycle and so it amuses me occasionally I people order book my books from my website and so um and we do send them to the post office and Fabrizio takes them on a bicycle <laughs> <because> <laughs> You know, it's only a couple of miles down the road and it's good exercise. And why not? So it amuses me to then make a little reel. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> Film him cycling off with the books in his panniers <laughs> as a sort of, you know, this <laughs> as a as a sort of uh, amused nod and a wink to other people who are clearly really not doing that. Yes, absolutely. And I think <coughs> I don't think that there is any such thing as a unique business. I think 
people who set themselves up and say, I'm going to, my unique selling point is going to be X, Y, or Z. Um, I'd say all of that is rubbish. I don't think there is such a thing as a unique business. There are lots of, you know, my business, there are lots of people growing flowers. They grow flowers differently. And, but basically we're all growing flowers. So let's not be too unique about it. But what we are, what is unique, each of us individually, the people are unique. Mm-hmm. And people buy from people. And that's why social media is such a valuable tool for small businesses. Because even though at first you may feel very uncomfortable saying, hello, I'm here, you can buy from me may feel a bit weird uh, you you have to sell your product somewhere mm-hmm. and if you stall out of the market it'll cost you the, the pitch fee you have to drive there early in the morning you have to stand there all day saying hello and being nice to people so why not think of your social media platforms as your market stall where you stand and be available for people to ask questions and explain what you do and show people how it works and uh, but you don't have to pay the pitch fee or drive anywhere, and it don't, you don't have to stay there all day. You can just do it while you're doing your job. That's a really good way to look at it. To be fair, I think what what's really great as well is they get to know you. And like I've watched so many of your videos that are speaking to you, I feel like I know you already because I know what you get up to most weeks, <laughs> and I know what kind of your life is like. So. Although I don't know you personally, you kind of feel like you have that connection with someone and then you're yeah. more likely to be like, oh, I will support you. It's the right time for me to buy this particular thing. Yeah. And I think everybody can do it. And that's what, I mean, I think that's what social media is for. It's like, that's that's where it's absolutely brilliant. Be there as as you, the person with a product or service to sell, be there on the social media. I want to see your face. Um, because people buy from people, but you know, and let's face it, people buy from border terriers. So <laughs> my little dog will feature on my social media, and I know that. But you know, you could line up flower farmers, and we're, we all look pretty much the same. We all behave similarly. We grow the similar sort of product. But I've got a border terrier here, and this person's got a Labrador. So the person who likes Labradors will buy this, buy from this one. And the person who likes border terriers will buy from me. <laughs> Give people things to have in common with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really big deal. So I feel like this is a really good opportunity to now talk about the workshops because you have a whole workshop on social media for business, don't you? I do have a social media for business workshop. Um, And uh, and I just, again, it's all about helping people to take what can seem like an amorphous, oh my God, where do I start thing and go, okay, what's it for? Mm-hmm. And not just what's it for for everybody, what's it for for you? What do you want out of it? What can you achieve with it? And social media, I think, you know, and obviously this workshop is so different now from when I started teaching it 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say now, and I would even say this in the last two years, this has become a thing. I would say one, is not going to be the biggest and the best person on social media. Nobody is. Uh, but that's not what you want. I would I, pos- I would posit mm. that many people do not want to be famous on Instagram. That's that's. I've seen people be famous on Instagram and then, but their business doesn't work. Uh, and often it's because the 
on Instagram, they've got 50,000 people following them because they like seeing pictures of their children gambling around in an orchard. But the thing is, they're not selling their children or the orchard. They're selling their flowers. And you don't see the flowers. You don't you don't know where they are, how they can buy them. They, they forget to sell. So they can become, it is very, it is not difficult to become a popular person on social media. Um, but... It's not necessarily. It's not necessary to be popular on social media. If you have a product to sell, it's it's necessary to use social media to sell your product, and so that's what my 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 workshops do is help people remember that remember what it's for, mm-hmm. and then see the steps that you have to take in order to eventually sell your product, mm-hmm. and it is a very simple. I mean, you know, I this is how I work. I can't. I work on my own most of the time. And, and so I, I haven't got hundreds of team members that I can say, you just do this, do this. So I have to rationalise everything into simple steps in and order to achieve, achieve the results. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing with social media, you know, my toppest tip of all with social media is just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't wait until your post is perfect or you've thought of the perfect words to go with it. Or, you know, by then... The world has passed by. Just be there, do it, and really let me see your face from time to time. That's that is a great topic. <laughs> um, but the two businesses, the two courses that this is a very personal agenda. I'm going to go on here. Um, the lifestyle change workshop and the, the career change workshop and the lifestyle workshop are the two that I'm basically umming and ahhing because obviously I want to come visit the farm and do it in person. Okay. Um. But I wondered if you could explain what the difference is between the two and kind of the audiences they're more directed at, because loads of people that listen are at that. I want to do something, but I'm scared to, because for me, it's the business side of things. I'm quite confident I can grow things there, but it's that kind of like the scary background business bit. Yeah. Well, in that case, as you say, if you're confident growing, then, uh, maybe the lifestyle business workshop is the place to start mm-hmm. um apart from the else it's slightly cheaper and it's shorter so it's not such an invasion of your time and what it will do the lifestyle business workshop is designed to help you identify what it is you want out of your business mm-hmm. and to strategize how you can get it so i start with money i'm always talking about money um I start with money. It's scared to talk about usually, isn't it? They, it's like yeah. a like a big red balloon that you're like, we just don't talk about that. Yeah, no, and I think which is crazy because um, if you don't think about the money and start with the money, then mm-hmm. how can you possibly know? Uh, how can you possibly know whether your business can be successful or even whether it is successful? You know, start with objectives. What do you want out of it? And I'm a great believer in debunking some historical complication which has been set up in order to make life feel difficult about running businesses Uh, for example um you know if you pick up books about how to write a business plan my brain just goes to mush i'm like this is too difficult it's complicated i don't understand i don't know i can't do the maths and no i don't understand but really making a business plan actually if you can't do this make a page of objectives what do you want out of it? Make a page of research. Is there a market? 
for the product that you're planning to create? Where is it? Will people buy from you? And then make a page of cash flow forecast. Can you scale up your idea in order to cover the cost of your life? That's the question. If you can, go ahead, do it. Then you can strategize your time. Then you can make mm -hmm. a social media platform for yourself. Then, then you can say, and actually quite often what happens is people uh, look at the idea that they've had. And once I've said, can you scale your idea up? I mean, they can't always. It won't always scale up. Not if they want to keep it small and work from home themselves and not have a team of helpers and, you know, all of that. You know, if you're not quick <laughs> at your dream activity, then you can't scale it up. You've got to be fast or learn to be fast or determine that you will become fast. And uh, if you can do all of that, then you can start your business. So that, that's what the lifestyle business a workshop is about and it's not only for flower farmers i have lots of small businesses people people with an idea or people who want to who want to for whatever reason get out of a system where they're being paid by other people to run other people's businesses and where they want to create something themselves and work from home and that's perfectly reasonable um and my job is to really help them see how they can do that and the steps that they have to go through in order to achieve that and then the flower farming workshop includes some of that. The career change flower farming day looks at, we start off looking at all the different ways that you could be a flower farmer. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I, and I, you know, I don't blame Instagram, but um, it is possible that Instagram makes it look as though you have to be a flower farmer like me. Um, and you don't at all have to be a flower farmer like me. And actually you might make quite a, quite a lot more money being a different kind of flower farmer and it's worth remembering that the reason I'm a flower farmer like me is not just so that I can grow and sell flowers but so that I can encourage people like you to come on my workshops you know mm -hmm. that, that there is a tension there which I think we should be uh uh obvious about you know the workshop business is now at least if not half if not more of my business so and there is a limited amount of time I don't want hundreds of people working here so therefore as a one-man band how can I do that yeah. and um so we start off looking at all the different ways of flower farm you could be a flower farmer um and then we look at growing so the first two-hour session is what kind of flower farmer you could be um and it really is designed to make people think and often really most people come on the workshop starting assuming they're going to be a flower farmer like me and most people leave assuming they're not mm -hmm and i've made them think oh, oh and you see literally light bulbs going off people <laughs> say okay i'll do that uh we then look at the growing year and we uh, we look at um you know you're managing your time your space uh your budgets um to create uh, a product so that you've got something to sell how long your season's going to be how many weeks a year you're going to have an income uh, what that income needs to be in order to cover your life and so on um and then in the afternoon we talk about marketing and sales and all the way through i talk about the lifestyle business but the lifestyle business workshop takes the sum that you need to do and takes that sum apart and makes it so that you can then work it out mm -hmm. whether you can turn your your idea into something and it and it also probably makes things much more business-like than I mean I think one possibly looks at somebody like me 
and it is my job to make it look lovely. <laughs> I'm not going to post horrible, ugly pictures on Instagram. The Instagram versus reality, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, and, and the thing is, it is lovely out there. Mm. I, you know, I haven't been here since Friday. I left, I went, drove north on Thursday and I got back late last night. And so, you know, five days later, <laughs> it looks different. It's the autumn. And there are things like bundles of wild orchid seeds hanging from a, the hedge to, so that the seeds are blown by the wind around the place. And, and the maples have changed colour and it is really, really lovely. But equally, the yard is untidy and needs sorting out in the studio. I won't even show you what it looks like in here. And, and there's this huge pile of threatening pile of bulbs and the dahlias have been frosted. And, you know, so it's not pretty. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not going to share a limited amount of time. I'm not going to walk around taking photographs of ugly things to put on Instagram. <laughs> the courses are just a phenomenal kind of hub of resources, but your YouTube channel as well. I think it that was how I discovered you in the first place. Actually, someone in a coffee shop saw me stood with a little basket of flowers while I was waiting for a coffee. And she yeah. said, do you follow Common Farm Flowers? No. No, I don't think so. And she said, oh, she's based in Somerset, blah, blah, blah. She's got this YouTube channel. And I went back to the allotment with my coffee and I started watching the videos. And she, she <laughs> said to me, she was like, honestly, it will change your life. <laughs> That's my job done. That's what I, I say that. When I sit on my workshop thing, and sometimes I think it's a bit tongue in cheek, but I say, come on my workshops because it may change your life. Mm -hmm. And it really may. And, the, and it's not because... It's not because I'm particularly brilliant as a flower farmer or brilliant as a, as a florist or brilliant as a businesswoman. What I'm really good at, I'm really singing my own praises here, what I'm really good at is rationalising problems to their very, very basic issue yeah. and helping you see how you can solve it. Is and if I can do that, Something seems big and scary, like all the financial stuff. It seems like an unconquerable mountain. Yeah. But where if someone, I mean, I can imagine if someone breaks it down, it makes a lot of sense. But for me at the moment, I'm looking at it thinking, I can't do this because I can't work out how, how to start walking up the mountain. Yeah. And actually the sum is really simple. It is. And, and I think it's very important that you, if you're going to say be a flower farmer, that you rationalize it is a lovely occupation i'm not I'm, it, it's a really nice thing to do i'm very lucky but the only reason i can do it is the strategizing mm -hmm. and that's not just because i've got small children and or haven't even, they're not even that small now but um if i don't strategize the point of the exercise is that we make enough to live on mm -hmm. Not that we make enough to go to Barbados for a month in January, <laughs> but enough to live on. It's, so it's an it's a it's not a mod it's it's not even a modest living. It's a comfortable living for a family of six living in a falling down farmhouse. Unless I know how much it costs for a family of six to live in that falling down farmhouse. I cannot begin to consider how much business my business needs to do in order to pay for that. So that's your number one thing is to work out what your life costs and not even your life as it is now, your life as a flower farmer. What would that cost? Everything, include going to the pub, 
going to the go, you need a week off you need to leave the house if you're a flower farmer you can't you never have a holiday if you if you work from home so you need to be able to afford to go somewhere else and it's possible that first few years you know things are going to be tight as you learn on the job well, I remember the year I call it the no babysitting money years which I know in the great scheme of things doesn't sound much but I remember that was when the children were really tiny and we couldn't afford a babysitter and that was a it was a in a it was a real thing in my head I really every time we went out we couldn't go to the we couldn't go to the pub for the evening because you couldn't take schooling tiny babies to the pub <laughs> in the evening I love the pub we're very lucky to have a village pub where the village go and chat and it's nice and we couldn't do that and if we went to somebody's house we had to take the children yeah which meant that they had to have a clean and tight not clean but they had to have a tidy enough bedroom that I could put my children to sleep in and then the children would wake up and and it was just very very stressful it was very unrestful it wasn't stressful it was unrestful for years but I knew that that eventually I you know if I kept at it I would work it out so they were lean years. There will be lean years. Mm. But, but if you keep your eye on your cash flow forecast and you play your cash flow forecast effectively, then you can trust that sooner or later they won't be lean or they'll be less lean. Yeah. It's a process though, isn't it? It's not an instant. I mean, flowers don't grow instantly. If they, if they teach you anything, they teach you patience. <laughs> Absolutely. They don't grow instantly. And also, if you're going to if you're going to use them to make a living. You then need to choose how long your season's going to be. And um, having worked out how much money you need to pay for your life, mm-hmm. you then need to make grow enough flowers to pay for your life. So therefore, how many of what variety you're going to grow and how much space do they take? And that's what my workshop that, you know, the career change workshop helps you really see scale up down sideways to make it work for you mm-hmm. um on a specifically flower farming way but the lifestyle business workshop gives is probably more about the money mm-hmm. just, just that money section yeah um you get much more on the career change flower farming day and you probably get more on money on the lifestyle workshop session well, but, I, might, I might just look on to both anyway. <laughs> I've you, I would do for you. I would probably do the career change flower farming mm-hmm. um, because you, because there are so many options, and I'll just make you think. At the end of the day, if people do career change flower farming, whether it's here at the farm um, or online, at the end of the day, everybody looks a bit kind of shell shocked <laughs> because. And such a lot of information, but everybody gets the recording afterwards and they get notes so they can sort of. Um, and I know that everybody, people watch it again, mm-hmm. just in a slower. And you see the pennies dropping and. You know, the workshop, I know the workshops are good. I've got 150 plus five star reviews on Google for my workshops because I know that they I know they make people. I know they allow people space to really think. Mm-hmm. And I show people, I show people what it is they have to think about, I think. And that's very, there are so many options. You know, you don't know where to start. Uh, and, and actually, to be able to say, no, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to worry about that. This is the really important thing I need to think about. That's why I'm doing it. That's my job. That's what I do. 
um, a hilarious conversation yesterday. I was up at Bluebell Cottage Gardens in Cheshire, where I interviewed Ben Ranyard of Higgledy Garden for my YouTube. And Gemma, who has done her first year on a very modest flower growing um, project that she's called Colour Wheel Garden. It's absolutely lovely. And then I was interviewing Sue Beasley, who owns the nursery and is quite a gardener. She's and, she, and But not just a gardener. She's a brilliant businesswoman. She is a great one for, you know, this is, okay, here's the income, but I'm going to spend it very wisely. <laughs> then I don't need to make so much income, but also I can have more interesting things, you know. And, and we were talking about business plans and she laughed and she said, yeah, what the bank always says about a business plan, it doesn't really matter what you do for a business plan because they just ask whether you, what your house is worth. <laughs> and I was like, that's true. So a business plan, your page of objectives and your page of research and your page of cash flow is for you. It's not for somebody else. It's not, you're not going to get marked out of 10 for it. It will make your life easier. Mm-hmm. That's all it's for. It's like a process to make you think about the things that you might not have thought about. And I'm imagining that's what the course is about as well, because the, that career change step is really big and there's so much you think about and like for me I worked out how much I needed to live on and what where my other income was coming from so I still freelance and do other bits and pieces yeah. while it's being set up but it's that there's so many other layers of things that over the last three months I've gone oh I'd not thought about oh I've, I've not thought about that or oh, I hadn't thought about that and what am I going to do about yeah. this and it's all those things that like I've not yet found a place online where all of those things are written down, like everything you need to consider. <laughs> and then yeah, there's like, much more video. Really, there isn't somewhere where everything is written down. It nobody gives you, you know, you can't I can't hand you your your business idea on a plate. You do have to work it out. But I think you're right. You know, you sit down and you start making I can, because I've done it for years, sit down and work out what my life costs quite quickly. Um, and I do it twice a year uh, and it doesn't cost the same every six months as it did mm. previous six months because the electricity bill's gone through the roof and the mortgage doesn't cost the same. And uh, but equally kind of interesting things like I always had to have a big budget for school uniform at the beginning, at the end of August. Um, but the children have grown and they don't need a whole new school <laughs> uniform and their feet are, the, are sort of settling. So they're both of them wearing their shoes for longer. So my school shoes budget is high because their feet are size nine, but it it I don't need that 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 large sum of money so often. Mm-hmm. And um and so suddenly you find oh okay well then okay you can do the Duke of Edinburgh award because <laughs> I can afford the rucksack. But um uh it's you the, it, nothing that you do is finite. Mm-hmm. And you will make mistakes. And so the challenge with starting a business is to trust that you covered most of it and that there will be unexpected costs. But, you know, to ballpark generously on the outgoings mm-hmm. and then really line up how much, make sure that whatever your product is, you can cover those outgoings with your incoming and that's really simple and that's why people who start saying yes I'm just going to grow little bunches of flowers and sell them in jam jars at five pounds each you're really not going if you if your if your costs are thirty thousand a year 
you know, ballparks. Let's take a random cost. Mm -hmm. Okay, 30,000 a year divided by five pounds. Let's see. Oh, well, I think it's um, 600 <laughs> off the top of my head. I'm not very good at metal arithmetic. 30,000 divided by five is 6,000 jam jars. Are you really going to do 6,000 jam jars? Well, let's see. If we divide that by, say you have a 25-week season, that's 245-pound jam jars a week, which is a lot, I'd mm. say. But let's divide that. Maybe you're going to do it on, you know, you're working part-time, so you've only got three days a week, say, to do your flower farming. You've got to make 80 jam jars a day on your three days. So that is not sustainable. You can't do that. So therefore, your jam jars have to be worth more. And therefore, you have, and that's what I do. Is I teach people to go, oh, yeah, so that's not going to be enough. So how much, how do I do it? How can I do it? And I had a student here once who um, was, she said, I've made my cash flow forecast work. It's all good, uh, but I can't run my car. <laughs> and I said, we live in rural Shropshire. And without a car, you can't do anything. And she said, but I can't do it within my car. And I said, well, why don't we add one pound to every single sale you make? Then can you run a car? Not quite. We ended up adding £2.50 to all of her each product, mm -hmm. which means that the product has to be a certain value. And that, yes, and that means that you're not, any of you, selling cheap. You're not competing with the supermarket. You, and that's why you've got to sell. It doesn't that so you've got to give yourself time to sell. It's not just about growing. You don't have a field of flowers and people break the door down to come and buy your flowers from you. You've got to stand up and go, hello, I've got flowers, and this is how much I'm charging. This is why I'm charging this much. And I know that, that you know, and you're not the only one doing it. There are five flower farmers in a 15-mile radius that you're competing with. So you've got to give a really, really high quality product. Uh, regularly um, it's got to be uh, something that people admire and something but something that you can do week after week after week mm -hmm. Probably possible but not possible if you haven't worked out how much you need to do mm -hmm. oh got a lot to think about I think I have a little busy afternoon ahead of me <laughs> <laughs> go do some maths <laughs> So I'll be sat down with my Excel sheet typing out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. I, I reckon I'm halfway there, but definitely yeah. not in detail as you've described. So that's really helpful. Yeah, I mean, it's your life. How much does your life cost? Not just how much the business cost. How much your life cost? Because that's what the business has to cover. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the business costs. Well, it does matter. You then realise that you have to keep your your overheads, your your costs of your business down to nothing, because otherwise you can't afford to go to the pub. And it's important you go to the pub. That's, you know, you've got to see the, not because you want to go and get hammered once a week, but because that's where your community, you know, where you meet your neighbours. You've got to be able to have some time, some downtime. Absolutely. And it is about finding that balance. Yeah. And this has been amazing. Thank you so much for chatting. But I wondered if you could leave us with one piece of advice that you would give to your former self. If you could go back and tell old Georgie what, one bit of advice for sort of starting a flower farm, what would you say to her? I would say fence as big an area as you can afford and grow into it. Interesting. <laughs> also very relevant to me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I've got four plots and that's four sets of fencing that needs maintaining. Mm -hmm. And it's expensive. And I'm thinking about, you know, we are in the process of refencing and yeah, it's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs>
you. Oh, well, good luck, everybody. And um, thanks very much for um, inviting me along. And do send everybody to the Common Farm Flowers YouTube yes. and commonfarmflowers.com for all the workshops and flowers if they're local. To, we're in sunny Somerset between Bruton and Wincanton. Absolutely. And it is just an absolute hub of knowledge, inspiration and beautiful flowers. I think I've got loads of your posts saved of like things that I want to grow next year. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Oh, well, thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. Each share, comment and star rating makes such a difference in helping new growers to find the podcast and learn from all of the incredible guests who have been featured. In the meantime, I'd love to hear any of your stories and questions on Instagram at diaryofaladygardener or via email diaryofaladygardener at gmail.com. That's all from me this week. Happy growing!